Hey. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. To the Killer Babes Podcast. Yes, I'm Katie. And I'm Kirby. And this is episode 38. Um, Almost there, guys. Yeah, Light almost the there. Tunnel. Two We're more episodes. Rounding the corner of the finish line. It's unfortunate timing, though, because someone the other day mentioned to us, they were like, oh, you guys should just keep going because... Everyone's at home listening to podcasts, but we're on a strict regiment for season three, so sorry, we cannot extend. Sorry. Yeah. Also, it might get harder for us to actually, because we record together in person. Yeah. And this actually might not be possible soon, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, worst comes to worst, I think we could probably do it separately, but um, for now, we're doing it the way we've always done it. So how do you like working at home? Um, yeah, WFH life. Um, that's what they shorten it. Work from home. WFH. Um, it's okay. It's an adjustment for sure. I mean, it's really nice to not put a bra on. (laughs) Wake up and just go straight to the office. No, it's it's bad. Like at first I was setting my alarm to wake up like half an hour before. Like, let's wake up, like maybe eat something, like maybe put some kind of clothes on, like whatever, get ready. And now I'm just, that alarm is just set for the minute I have to open my laptop. Like wow. there's just no, yeah, <laughs> after a one week. So, um, but it's nice. I'm getting it through it. It's the work is getting done kind of. It's just slow. Yeah. It's slower for everyone. I have my setup at home with my computers and my monitor. So I'm doing good. Staying busy. Busy bee, busy bee. Um, what about all of these challenges people are doing? <laughs> How do you feel about that? I am not a fan of it. <laughs> I got tagged in the freaking push-up one. <laughs> oh. I'm terrified. Yeah. Kirby said she's just going to do a, like a push-up every 10 minutes and splice it together so it looks like she's doing 10 in yeah. a row. <laughs> or maybe I'll just do one and then just replay it fast forward. <laughs> and then I'll just be That's like, good. Yeah, boomerang. Maybe it'll yeah. be a little tell. That'll be good. Yeah, I'll ah, do that. There you guys go. Little tips and tricks. Yeah, to, to get through this quarantine. Yeah, there's going to be so many challenges. It's, I mean, I get it. People, I do like how like celebrities and singers and stuff are going on Instagram Live all that's the time. That's cool. The live streams, that's really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Because it's true. It's like, we can find stuff to do, but like people like us that don't have kids, it's not like we're like staying busy with kids. So it's like, we are on our phone a lot, to be honest. So I've seen a lot of parents out there with kids, though, that are up to here they are done they are ready for this to be over i feel for them i i feel for you guys it's tough everyone's like oh how much do we pay our teachers again like maybe we should pay them or like i can't even do this for an hour yeah (laughs) it's tough yeah very tough but it's scary we're working through it it's unknown and together everyone will make it through alone together that's what we're saying yeah it's it's nice i i a lot of good stories are coming out of this like nice feel good help others help your neighbors kind of thing so you know everyone's going through it everyone's getting through it yeah we hope everyone listening is doing okay staying healthy getting through it the best way they can holding tight yeah we don't know what's happening but alone together and thanks for listening to our podcast and if you guys haven't listened to all the other ones and you're sitting at home you don't know what to do now's the time go listen to it oh Wait, you know what also is the time? So Billy Jensen, you told me this the other day. I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. He's doing the um, Unsolved Challenge, and it's actually really cool. This is the only challenge that I enjoy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm so sorry to everyone who's tagged me because I'm not doing them. <laughs> um, so he's posting a lot of the unsolved cases that 
Some are recent, some aren't, but uh, some are so annoying. Tell them about the one yeah. that like people literally know about. Yeah. Um, well, so I think he's posting like a new one each day. And like the whole point is like, while everyone is home, we're either working from home or really not doing much at all. And they're on their phones. Um, he's basically posting like a new cold case every day and saying like, hey, in your free time, why don't you like, A, it's like, well, if you have time, why don't you look into this a bit? B, it's also just trying to get these pictures to everyone while everyone's on their phone to say, like, we have a picture of this person. We don't know who they are. Like, look at them. Do you know them? Does does anyone you know them? So he's doing that. But, yeah, the one that you're talking about, um, it's called Delph the Delphi Murders. I don't remember everything about it, but it's, like, about these two girls. And I forget the state it's in, even. But I it's say not Indiana. New England. Yeah, it might be somewhere middle of the country basically these two girls went missing one afternoon in the woods and it was only a few years ago so it was while there was still social not still but while social media was around and they were on snapchat or something and they were posting videos and pictures of themselves and in one of the videos that one of these girls took they're like we have the vic not the the suspect in the video and you can see him but and we have the video to play back, but it's very blurry. You can just see him walking and, like, his coat. You can't really see his face that well. Mm -hmm. But you can also hear his voice, and there's a clip. And I think police have more than they've, like, released. released. But they've released some things, and they've released a clip of this man saying, like, get down the hill. Um, so we have that voice, and we have a video of him, like, walking in the outline of him in his coat. And we still have no idea who this guy is. And then the next day or the next two days or something, these girls were found dead at the bottom of the hill. It's stuff like that that they're posting. And they're like, well, while everyone's on their phone looking at, like, look at this guy's face. If everyone yeah. in America or even half the people in America looked at it, chances are we would figure out who it is. Someone would know him. Right. So, so it's a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. Go um, check that out. I think there, it's I think it's on their podcast's Instagram. So it's... Uh, he has Murder it on squad. his, too, on oh, just Billy they? Jensen. Yeah, he okay. has posted it on his personal, too. So go check it out. We'll definitely post it in our story um, again and again because I think it's a really good thing to do with your time if yeah, everyone's cool just idea. inside on their computers anyway. Yeah, and he's also saying, like, if if you want, if you have time, like, look up one murder or something cold case from your hometown yep. and, like, adopt this, mm -hmm. like, cold case. Um, and spend time and, and look it up and everyone, if everyone did that in their own hometown, like I think would be doing something. I think something would come back from it. So yeah. Just like cool. our last one in the Bear Brook. Yeah. So go do it. Go do it now. I challenge you. Yeah. That's the new challenge. Okay. So we'll take your mind off of the things that are happening <laughs> and bring we'll you try. back in time. Woo. <laughs> I'd be scared if we just went back in time with that. <laughs> How did eight thieves steal 30 million from Mafia Bank? That's the big question. <laughs> That's the $30 million question. Mm-hmm. Join us today for the Bonded Vault Heist, which was one of the biggest heists. Heights. Heists. Heists. <laughs> not height. <laughs> in US. History. This took place in our backyard, Providence, Rhode Island, in 1975. Do you want to know that's so weird about that? What? When I was reading through this yesterday, yeah. I said that, like, in my head when I was reading it. I was like, took place in the backyard of Providence. I swear to God. That is so weird. That is so weird. It kind of is our backyard, well, at least where we are right now, so. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. It's like everyone's favorite, like, little brother. Yeah. Honestly, it's easier to get to than Boston because of the traffic. And it's just nicer, in my opinion, because there's not as many people. And I feel like it's cleaner. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not sure if that's true either. That might just be my biased opinion. It's got a lot of character, though. Yeah. I think it's cheaper, too. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know. In my humble opinion, I like Providence better. It's got cool stories like this. Yeah, Providence is actually... Although, not that Boston didn't have its share of mobs, yeah. but Providence has a surprising Providence is crooked of, to this yeah. day, and I'm not pointing any names or fingers because I'll get killed, <laughs> but it is still kind of crazy out there. I mean, hello, heard of Crooked Current? That's why it's called that. Yeah. Crooked Providence. And it's a female brewery. Oh, yeah, true. Also, awesome. there's a podcast called Crime Town about Providence and, like, the cri- the history mm-hmm. of crime in Providence. So that's a great podcast. Listen to that. They go deep. Yeah. Per than we do. <laughs> into into <laughs> information. So I'm going to give you some <laughs> background. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little background story. I'll set the scene. It was August 14th, 1975. Eight men drove up in a van to the Hudson First Storage, located at 101 Cranston Street, in the west end of Providence, Rhode Island. Inside the van was Robert, or a.k.a. The Deuce, Deuce Salt, Charles, a.k.a. Chucky Flynn, Joe, a.k.a. The Dancer Denise, Gerald, a.k.a. Jerry Tillinghast, which I wonder if he was related to the vampire in Rhode Island. Mercy Brown? Yeah, but not Mercy Brown, the second one that we talked about. It was Sarah Tillinghast. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, maybe. Yeah. It's a small state, probably. Yeah. So he's a vampire. <laughs> Ralph Brines, Jacob Tarzan, John Omat, and Walter Tarzan. <laughs> Tarzan. Oh, Tarzan. There's an I, but Tarzan just sounds cooler. Okay, that was my um I switched the letters, so that's my bad. Tarzan. <laughs> so those are the eight 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 dudes. Eight straight up criminals. Yes, that is what they are. Yeah. So Hudson Fur Storage operated as a fur storage and specialty cleaner site, but in reality, the building housed a commercial safety deposit business that pretty much no one knew about, but everybody knew about. Hmm. Behind the back door of the fur storage room was basically a bank with safety deposit boxes filled to the brim with money, gold bars, and jewels, all owned by members of the Patriarcha crime family and associates. But was this a known thing? Well, Barbara Olivia, an apprentice furrier at Hudson Fur Storage. <laughs> Which I don't know what that is, but love that. Yeah. I, I'm guessing it's like a courier, but for furry, furrier? I, I guess so. She was like the secretary, it looked like, um, <laughs> in the movie that we watched that was kind of loosely based on this. Claimed that she had no idea that her employers ran a secret bank for the mafia, which I don't know is true or not. I feel like you would... I feel like you would have to say that, though. So, yeah, I don't know. Because she would be like, yeah, I knew. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I saw them come in before it opened every single day. I don't know. Yeah. According to FBI documents, an informant told them, quote, Hudson Furs was owned by Raymond, but public documents will not show this, end quote. But obviously, those that ran with Raymond knew that the business, knew what the business really was. Now, we didn't tell you who Raymond (laughs) was yet. (laughs) But Raymond is right now the head honcho of the Patriarcha crime family. family. Crime family. Yeah. yeah. He's the one running the show. Yeah. At about 8 a.m., Dussault entered through the front door wearing sunglasses and a suit, 
holding a briefcase pretending to be a client. He pointed a 38 caliber revolver at the business co-owner, Samuel Levine, and made him gather the associates and put pillowcases over their head. Six other men then came in, and one waited outside to stand guard. The men used a crowbar to pry the doors off the safety boxes. They were surprised by how much there actually was inside the vault. Barbara Oliva in Providence, Rhode Island, was interviewed by New York Post and said, quote, I heard guys saying, holy shit, I can't believe what's here. After they left, huffing and puffing to get out with their bags of stolen stuff, we went in. The vault room was knee-deep with bars of gold and silver and all kinds of jewels. There were loose coins, a jeweled chalice, cash, guns, end quote. A jeweled chalice. Now that's that's gangster. Monty Python like, Yeah, shit. that's like a holy grail kind of like, that's what I want to see. In 148 safety deposit boxes, robbers found $30 million in cash, precious metals and jewels, but they didn't bring enough duffel bags, and in their excitement, they forgot to keep their masks on during the heist. Rookie, rookie move. Barbara told WPRI in an interview, she said that the men called each other Harry to conceal their real names. Quote, they were yelling, oh, Harry, you got to come. You would not believe what's in here. End quote. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually how she said it, but <laughs> she claimed she didn't know there was a secret bank back there. So who knows? On their way out, the robbers gathered everyone into the bathroom and told them to wait five minutes before leaving. Once the robbers left, the employees pushed the alarm button, which signified the police who then came about 90 minutes after the robbery had first begun. When the police came, the valuables were estimated to be about $4 million. Every local criminal knew about the vault. They also knew that Hudson Fur had a measly alarm system, but who would be crazy to rob the mob? Who? Who? You know, so who? why do you need that? But apparently they did. The robbers made their way to a hideout at 5 Gulf Avenue in East Providence. They divided the stolen goods and each received about $70,000 in cash. They planned to split what they could get for the jewelry and the gold and the pimped out chalice after. Pimped out chalice. <laughs> Robert Deuce Salt, a.k.a. Deuce, took his share to Las Vegas where he did what any person in that position probably would do. He gambled it all away. It was in Sin City that he met a prostitute named Karen Bonham. They started up a relationship and began living the high life, traveling the country together. Unfortunately, he went through his share of the money pretty quick, and Karen maxed out all of her credit cards, so it went to the wayside real, real fast. Deuce turned to his fellow robbers asking for additional money. This raised some red flags amongst the other robbers, and they began to worry that he would do something crazy or talk to the wrong people. Bad timing because, according to The Last Good Heist by Tim White, Randall Richard and Wayne Worcester learned that on November 2nd, a Providence newspaper, quote, ran a story that DeSalt was going to turn himself in for one hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So Bad timing. That was the big rumor around the around the mob scene. Yeah, and read the book because we are in that book club now. <laughs> what book club? I don't know. I just started posting all the books of all of these things. Oh yeah, the to Killer Babes book club. Yeah, on this week, the Last Good Heist by Tim White. Mm-hmm. Rationally, the men did the best thing for the group. Rationally. They sent Charles, a.k.a. Chucky Flynn, to Las Vegas to kill him. Mm. 
Somehow, DeSalt must have caught wind of the hit because he confronted Flynn with a shotgun in a Las Vegas parking lot. Flynn and DeSalt had a little bit of a history together. They'd grown up together as friends in Lowell, Massachusetts. DeSalt made Flynn get into the car with him, and they went for a drive. Now, on this drive, they just reminisced on old times, and DeSalt convinced Flynn not to kill him by telling him that everyone was being set up, got in his head, worked around it, kind of. Ah, smart. Yeah. Flynn returned to his own hotel where Joe, the dancer, Denise, was waiting for him. Of course, Denise was upset. Flynn didn't kill Dussault, but they returned to Rhode Island. Why do you think his nickname is the dancer? Probably because he dances around people when he kills them. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> no, maybe. <laughs> That's a leap. Maybe he, yeah, maybe Maybe he, he just kind of like, maybe he likes to dance. Maybe he only walks on his tippy toes. Dancer. Yeah, maybe he walks like in a, yeah. Or maybe he was a dancer. I don't maybe know. He was a dancer. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what would my nickname be? Ooh. Kirby the Cold Killer. Why? Because you're uh, cold? No, I just thought no, I would be, be like, like a hitman. Like if I was in the mob. I don't know. Kirby the Hungry. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of your significant features and it's like you're always hungry. You like to like clean the house. Kirby the Cleaner. I would clean up after the bodies. Kirby the Cleaner. All right, that's clean mine. the place out. Yep, yep. That's good. All right. What would yours be? I don't know. Probably nothing exciting because I'm Katie. pretty boring. <laughs> Katie the Katie. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'd like find fun ways to kill you. But Katie the brain? No. Because you would be the brains of the operation? No, that's boring. Oh, okay. Um, We'll figure it out. Katie the wine. What? <laughs> no, you like wine? <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic. I never said you were. You just like wine. It's not fun, though. Theirs are so fun. Chucky. <laughs> Chucky, the dancer. Okay, Jerry. Yeah, maybe they're not that fun. Yeah. I guess Katie is a nickname for my real name, so Katie. I guess I would just keep Katie. <laughs> Whatever. It works. All right, we'll think a little harder on yours. <laughs> now it's New Year's Day in 1976. Dussault's girlfriend had called the cops to remove him from her Vegas pad, and when police arrived, they recognized his tattoos and got his fingerprints. Dussault was arrested in Las Vegas. Law enforcement officers flew from Providence, Rhode Island to Nevada to interrogate him. During the interrogation, Providence officer Tony Mancuso told him Flynn had been murdered for not killing Dussault, and now they wanted him dead. The story was a lie, but Dussault believed him and figured, hey, I have nothing to lose, and so he confessed. His confession kicked off what was back then the most expensive trial in Rhode Island history. The trial lasted four months, and during that time, witnesses were closely guarded. Barbara, the secretary we had talked about earlier, or the furrier. Yeah, the coat furrier. Be respectful. (laughs) Described both DuSalt and Flynn because they weren't wearing masks, and the pillowcase over her head was very thin, she said. So not that 100% That's cotton. crazy that she could still, like, see their faces through the pillowcase. Yeah. It was just like, I can see you. I'm going <laughs> to tell them what you look like. Yeah, like, like, wow, that's a mistake. Hello, I can still see you. I can see robbing the... you got to get those, like, fine cottons, people. Egyptian cotton, please, yeah. next time. <laughs> According to former Providence Journal reporter Wayne Worcester, quote, Barbara really put them away. Nobody else was forthcoming with any kind of information that was very helpful at all. She really was a hero, end quote. So good for her. Go her. Yeah, go Barbara. Woohoo! 
let's all be Barbara. I think she's very brave to go against them because these that people is, have yeah. connections. And oh, to yeah. say, like, yeah, that was the man, that was the man, and that was the man. I would pee yeah, my Yeah, if you live in Providence, yeah, like, no. that's risky. So she was probably, like, a badass chick who was just, like. It almost makes me yeah. think if she had, like, protection from, like, someone else, you know. That could also be true. Who oh. knows? It's a wild, wild place. Wild, wild west in Providence, Rhode Island. At the end, the jury deliberated for seven hours and came back with their decision. They convicted three of the defendants and acquitted the other three. Each man was brought one at a time into the courtroom to hear their verdict. The decisions all came down to alibis. Walter Wumet was charged with conspiracy and as an accessory before the fact, but was acquitted on both counts. Gerald and Jacob were likewise found not guilty on all counts. Ralph Burns was found guilty on 13 of 14 counts, including robbery, kidnapping, and possession of burglary tools. Didn't even know that was a count you could be found guilty on. But innocent of assault with a pistol. Charles Chucky Flynn was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to life, though he was released after about 10 years and died in 2001. John Womet was found guilty of conspiracy and being an accessory after the fact, and was sentenced to 45 years, with 15 years suspended, although his conviction was overturned 10 years into his sentence. Deuce Dussault provided the state with evidence, and so he was put into the Federal Witness Protection Program, again referencing The Last Good Heist by Tim White. According to Randall Richard and Wayne Worcester, Deuce worked for the Coors Brewing Company under an assumed name. But even under witness protection program, he could not kick his old habits, and he continued to rob jewelry stores and businesses. It was just a lifestyle for Deuce, you know? I wonder if he was a kleptomaniac. I, I mean, I guess there's probably a difference. If you're a klepto, it probably doesn't matter about, like, the money reward. It's maybe. just a feeling. So, I don't know. Maybe. I bet you get a super adrenaline just boost. Ooh, Kirby's looking like she might be trying trying it out someday. So, yeah, he could not stop robbing. It was just in his blood. So he went back to jail in 1982 and was sent to a prison in Colorado. He was later sent to a halfway house in North Dakota, and they say he died of a heart attack there in that halfway house in 1992. But, you know, whoever knows when the mafia is involved, you can never be quite certain about anything. Exactly. There are ways to make it look like a heart attack. There are ways to dance around. Ooh, the the authorities. Oh, yeah. Whatever. That too. Authorities were convinced that the robbery was sanctioned by a local mob boss who we mentioned at the beginning, Raymond L.S. Patriarca, who was the leader of the Patriarca crime family. For 40-plus years, he ruled organizational crime in pretty much all of New England, and he even influenced the Crime Commission across the U.S. He had a lot of power. His wealth and influence. A lot of friends. Yeah, friends in high and low places. places. (laughs) Yeah, high and low. It's like that song. Yeah. I got friends in high and low places. places. Okay. (laughs) His wealth and influence stretched across all people, including presidents, Governors, locals, and famous people. Frank Sinatra and Tony Martin had an ownership interest in in Patriarca's Western Massachusetts racetrack. Dean Martin had connections to the distribution of TV jukeboxes. Duddy Massad, a local 
famous car businessman had a tie because all of the associates of Patriarcha drive cars or drove cars tied to Duddies in Worcester. Whitey Bulger and Patriarcha also ran in the same area. The Winter Hill Gang controlled Metro Boston and the Patriarcha La Cosa Nasta. LCN were national and international. The two knew each other, but they didn't really rival each other outright. And get this, even the Patriots were involved. Boston informants say that the football players were betting large sums on football games and the American Football League was notified to investigate. But that wasn't the only sport that the Patriarchas had a hand in. FBI documents also track a relationship between Patriarcha and Jake Witschew Sports Arena, the home to professional wrestling matches. He knew the Massachusetts and New Jersey governors very well, and it's no surprise he knew the Rhode Island governor, John Nope, very well, because there's some FBI documents that link him to payoffs and prostitutes. And of course, being friends with the Chief Justice, Joseph Bellalacqua, was pretty powerful. There are many more people who he knew very well, but that's a good overview of his power. I mean, he had a hand in the authorities, the locals, and pretty much the entire surrounding area. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had other connections in different states all the way up to California. Oh, yeah. With just no paper trails or anything. Oh, yeah. He was rich and he knew people. He even had his own hitman. And I feel like that's when you're up there. Like, you call this guy. You know a guy who will just Oh, yeah. Do you it. don't have to get your hands dirty for anything. Yeah. He was well connected. Who, supposedly, in the summer of 1975, okayed the robbery at the vault. What? According to FBI <laughs> documents, an informant claimed that Patriarcha owned the building and the money stored in safety deposit boxes were owned by mobsters under false names. Essentially, if this was true, then Patriarcha robbed his own men. Now, why would this happen? Yes, this is what confused me, too. Because, <laughs> um, you know, that seems like a lot of work to just rob yourself. Well, in the mid-1970s, Raymond Patriarcha was facing pressure from the feds and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Providence. This manhunt was led by Lincoln Almonds, later governor of Rhode Island. He was accused of focusing very hard on Patriarcha. Um, Patriarcha had a complex relationship with Boston's Winter Hill Gang, and his Supreme Court justice friend, Joseph Bevilacqua, was under judicial review. Now, this next part is coming straight from golocalprov.com. Go check it out. It's a cool website. According to an FBI document that captured a conversation between a special agent of the FBI and Patriarcha, the agent warned that one member of Patriarcha's crew, quote, should be concerned with the amount of publicity they are receiving over the bonded vault affair, mentioning that a redacted name reportedly took two shares of the loot, 128000 for them, end quote. To which Patriarcha Sr. replied, quote, You have treated me as a gentleman, and when you arrested me, you did not make a circus of it. So I will tell you this. I can die right now and be placed in my grave. I swear to you that I don't know any of the individuals involved in the bonded vault job, end quote. This all came from an FBI file of the January 1976 interview, which took place at Patriarcha's own office in the Coinomatic at 165 Atwells. 
The FBI memo also says this, quote, special agent stated that the Providence FBI office receives a lot of information from many individuals all over the state. Patriarch's name has been used by many of these people for various crime endeavors. Patriarcha Sr. stated he cannot prevent these people from using his name, but he is not violating any laws. Special agent replied that Patriarcha's name is also being used by people in South Providence. Patriarcha Sr. stated, you know me and how I feel about those people. I would never do anything with them. Also, according to an FBI document, one member had $1 million in his safety deposit box. Quote, according to the informant, Hudson Furs was owned by Raymond, but public documents wouldn't show it anywhere. Patriarcha was never prosecuted. From the heist, the participants each walked away with around $70,000 in cash, along with some jewels and other stolen goods. Patriarcha is believed to have received the rest which at the time they thought was like three to four million. No, guess again, it was 30 million. And today it was like 120 million, like maybe even more with inflation, maybe even less now. I don't know. But wow. Yeah, that doesn't seem fair at all. Dussault later told FBI agents that the robbery was executed at Patriarca's request. He even claimed that Patriarca had left the door into the vault open for the thieves that day to make it even easier. And even at that one point, Patriarcha had called for the robbery to be rescheduled because his son wanted to take his cash out of the safe first. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, that seems convenient. Sure. Yeah. I feel like that's interesting. It, it, mob boss Raymond Patriarcha got away. And although no one truly knows what happened to the rest of the money, it's allegedly reported that he managed to have the jewels fenced in Europe. And it was the perfect heist. Hmm. Super interesting to me. A lot of he said, she said going on, but obviously Patriarcha, I mean, we said it before, has a lot of connections and a lot of ways to make things just kind of happen in his favor. So did the money go to him? Probably. I would highly guess he still has his money because otherwise I feel like there'd be a lot of deaths happening, a lot of unsuspected like deaths just popping up because he would know who stole his money and probably kill them all versus jail. I don't know. Seems like he just found a way to put the money into other yeah. things. So I'm sure at this point, his family's probably pretty well off. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know them. Yeah, I don't know them. I don't but know. But I would not saying. let that money go away and just be like, oh, there it is. I mean, just it went somewhere. Started. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. these people don't have it. They're in jail or dead. Yeah. So it, it can't just disappear. It's somewhere. Um but yeah, um, we watched a movie, like, what, last night, two nights ago? Yeah. It's called The Vault. Um, it came out in 2019, and it's about it's about this story. So um, if you're interested, go watch it. It was really cool. It's a little bit, we're still a little bit unsure about some of the things that were in the movie, if they're completely true. Um, it's obviously it's based on the story. I don't think they ever claim that they're, like, 100% true. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that we talk about were Match spot up. on. Um, but there were a few added details in the movie, which, of course, might just be because it was a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I example, feel like it ties things in, though, because you were saying, like, so, okay, how did the eight men meet? And in the movie, it puts it together for you. But, again, like, I don't know if that's how the eight men met. Um, right. It basically was, like, they were in jail. Um, that's when they found, That's when they decided they were going to do the robbery. And then Chucky had, like, friends from work or something that mm-hmm. basically made up the eight people. 
Uh, but from what we've seen, we don't we don't have anyone saying that specifically. It was just in the movie, so I guess we don't yeah. know for sure if that's right. But, but it made a lot of sense. It did make a lot of sense. It definitely tied, yeah, things over for me. And it was a lot more dramatic, like the end reveal <laughs> that it was actually Raymond Patriarca that like set the whole thing up. That was like a dramatic. It was like your typical crime movie mobster, just like dun dun dun. Yeah, just like pants to like his face. You're like Raymond. It was him. <laughs> no. It was good though. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, because it's pretty good. It starts off like the old timey, and by old timey, I mean it's just 1970s like TV clips. But I was like, oh no, is this the entire movie? Is it just going to be news? It was like black and white and fuzzy, and I was like, well, I was like, please, no. But then the actors came out and portrayed them. Yeah, no, it was really good. It was really interesting, too, to see like that area at that time period. And just like the stupid, simple stuff of like what everyone was wearing. That's now in I fashion. I love 70s now. fashion. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's all back now. I know. It's all so cute. Yeah. Go watch it. Yeah. It, uh, we watched it on Amazon, right? Amazon, but I had to sign up for the free trial for FX. Oh. But then I just canceled the subscription. Well, there you go, folks. Yeah. I mean, what you guys are watching a lot of TV right now, so. Mm-hmm. And right now, a lot of people are offering like free subscriptions and trials. Just remember to cancel them in a month or two months. Did you already cancel it? Ends. Yeah, I already canceled it. Okay, good. But I have forgotten to cancel a couple of times. But it's okay. You can just email them and be like, listen, it's the corona time. And they will just, like, take it off for you. Well, I don't know if we can guarantee that for you. but no. Well, in my experience, <laughs> they have taken it off yeah. recently because I've signed up for a lot of things. Good. I'm a chronic signer-upper. Good to know. Um, but, yeah, check it out. And also... Let us know if you guys have any suggestions for things that we should check out. During oh, this yeah. Time. You know what I mean? For season like, three? Yeah. Well, yes. Cases for season three. So New England cases. But, like, also, you know, we got a few weeks off after mm-hmm. the next few weeks. So send us other suggestions that might not. Maybe we can't report about because it's not New England. But maybe it's just interesting um, watches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any good shows going on? I don't think there's been any, like, recent um because, like, true crime docs are, like, my – that is my field. You like, were very doc, good at that, yeah. Not documentary, docu-series. There's something – The There's a difference, right? and I love a good docu-series. Oof, that gets me going. Over documentary, really? Yes. Interesting. Thousand, thousand percent. Not sure if I can explain why. I just love the, the, the episode platform. Probably because they go way more in-depth than, like, a documentary. I feel like they yeah. get more interviews. And also, like, I don't know how to describe it because I – like my ADD, like I, I don't have ADD, but I struggle to get through a movie, like truly, but I can watch like four episodes of a TV and it doesn't seem like I'm struggling, which Maybe doesn't make sense because many movies, but... every episode kind of has its Yeah. Like, it kind of, it kind climax, of has an arc, so right? Yeah. So it has me held for like 40 minutes and that's like the perfect amount of time for me, but hmm. I can still watch another one. But, um, there is a new one out right now, but it's like super, super sad. It's called the trials of gabriel and it's about have oh, you seen the i saw the trailer yeah the kid that is like wildly abused by his parents or his mom and um i watched the first episode it's and so sad. i was like this is great like it's done very well but i was like i need like a month long break before i watch the next one really yeah oh my goodness heavy but if you can get through it great but yeah any other suggestions we would appreciate 
Oh. Let us know if you have any recommendations or something. Just let us know, please. We're begging you. <laughs> please, it's been a week and we're <laughs> going nuts. Um, that's, that's it. all we have for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice short episode, but about crime. True crime. It is about true crime, but it was a bit of a more, up, not uplifting, <laughs> um, lighthearted, fun yeah. story. I mean, people still died. That's true. <laughs> like, it is still true crime and death. But it's fine. Um, it's fine. Next week, we're coming at you with a new story. And we're going to have kind of a two-episode arc about the same story. Yep. So the next two episodes are going to be about one case. It is a heavier. It is a serial killing case. Yeah, I so. think we can let them know what it's coming up as. Oh, okay. Should we yeah. tease it? Yeah, a teaser. Ooh, I love. Okay, fine. You want to tell them? No, you. Ah! Okay. Um, so, for the finale of season two, the last two episodes, we are talking about the new Bedford Highway serial killings. The Bedford so, Mass people. It's surprisingly, I think a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah. Um, so, if you haven't, that's fine. We're going to tell you about it. And if you have, you're going to learn some more. I promise you. Not only are we coming at you with a, the story, mm -hmm. but we have a very very special interview. guest interview yep. mm -hmm. first time well not the first time we've had a guest on the show but first time we've had an actual series <laughs> <laughs> no offense to scott and my dad and whoever else showed up yeah gil is a serious one i guess sure but um no this is the author of a book about the story that we read in preparation mm -hmm. famous for the story. reporter yeah um so we have a great interview with her that's going to be one of the episodes and then the other episode is going to be us telling you the story um so stay tuned that'll be great something to look forward to for the next couple of weeks hopefully mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting that this season we kind of followed the same theme in a lot of our episodes a lot of them are unopened still to this day but a lot of them are also gaining traction over time and hoping that they find the killer or killers in quite a few of our episodes I feel like we've mentioned that yeah. a, a, a quite a bit now yeah I guess, yeah, a few episodes that are cold cases that are still, there's pushes to, I think it's this new wave of true crime, documentaries, yeah. podcasts, everything. Um, it's great. There's big pushes on a lot of these cases, especially, yeah, a lot of the cases we've covered, mm -hmm. big New England cases. So, And this is one of them. Um, so it is still a cold case, but we're still, and that's something that still we're talking hopeful. about in our interview a lot is the ways that people can help. We look forward to sharing that interview and that episode with you guys. It's going to be good. Very good. So um, stay safe, everybody. Stay, stay sane. Stay healthy. Wash your hands. Happy, 20 seconds. Stay kind. And yes. Stay, well, I like that. Stay, stay kind. kind. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Stay oh. kind. That's how Ellen DeGeneres like ends each of our episodes. Oh, I love Ellen. She's like, have a good day and be kind to each other. She is the kindest person I know. <laughs> But Kirby's I don't crying. even know her. No, <laughs> um, yeah, but we uh, will see you next week. See ya. Bye.